Good evening, how are you going? Oh, we can cross. I timed that so damn well. Ah. <laughs> oh, that made me happier than it should have. It's very late at night here. I'm just going for a bit of a, a stroll. I've been getting a lot of headaches again lately. Growing up, I used to get really bad migraines, sort of multiple day long things where I'm just sort of puking my guts out and vertigo and seeing lights that aren't there. It, it, was, it was really bad. I haven't had those in a long time, fortunately, but I've just been having this thing with headaches. So if it gets particularly bad, I sort of, I save things like codeine and, and that sort of thing for when it's extremely bad. I, I feel like it's one of those things that you could very, very easily abuse. So, and you, you want that arrow in your quiver, as my mum used to say. So it's important to be able to keep your tolerance low for it. So when you do actually need it, you can use it for that sort of thing. Unfortunately, one of the things that codeine does is it synthesizes into morphine, which I don't know about you, but when I take that, it just kind of makes me feel really, really just lethargic and lazy. I like to think of myself as mentally a very active person. I like to get up early in the morning and um, start writing or drinking a cup of coffee and then exploring or writing code or tinkering with servers or building things like I I love thinking about stuff and if it's not that then I'm playing simulation games or building cities and silly things like that like that's what I enjoy doing with my time so it just feels really foreign to just lose such an important part of who I am which is just it might not always be a productive endeavor, but I still really like to do things. So I had this headache sort of late in the afternoon, and it was it was getting bad enough that I was starting to feel like I was I was getting quite sick, and uh, the sort of the kaleidoscopic vision and things. And eventually, I thought, right, time for some codeine. And unfortunately, once you take that. The whole rest of your evening's a write-off, and you just feel like just the most slovenly, lazy, bored person. And now the headache's basically almost gone. I've recovered from that. It's now sort of almost midnight, and now my brain thinks, hey, I can think again, and I really should be in bed. So this is going to be a short one as I walk around here. But... Many of these early programs back in the sort of the early 2000s, I've been doing this show for more than 15 years now, and I guess they were done as a teenager, but still very much in this mental space, wandering around either Adelaide or Singapore or KL, thinking to myself about random things. So in light of this, I thought I'd sort of take a slightly different tack to what I've been doing lately. And doing what I used to do quite a bit, which was... I would just pick a random topic without any thought or preparation whatsoever and just see where it takes us. Now, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, which read into it as much as you want, about this idea of compensation or helping creative people who I admire and respect. And for a lot of those things, it involves buying merchandise. 
So if you listen to a podcast, if you watch a YouTube channel, if there's, you know, there's a particular engineering show that you like watching or there's this particular podcast you like listening to where they talk about tech or various other things and you want to support them, there are things like uh, Patreon and before that we had PayPal subscriptions, um, I've got a buy a coffee link kind of thing. But eventually you kind of want, I don't know, it's strange, you kind of want a token, like a real world anchor to something that really is sort of ephemeral and once you've stopped watching it, it disappears. I've thought about this a lot in the context of music where I feel like music for me, and I'm, I'm still unsatisfied that this is the core reason for it, but music to me has felt less real since I went to streaming services. And I think part of that is just because I miss CDs, I miss cassettes, I miss records, I miss having a physical anchor or a token to that virtual thing, which was music. And if you think about it, when you're playing music, it exists. But as soon as you stop playing it, a CD, a cassette tape, it's not music. It's just a signal recorded on, a, uh, on a, uh, either an analogue or a digital device. Now, admittedly, I suppose you could argue that the analogue device is closer to the original signal because it's very easy to sort of uh, convert that electronic signal into motion on a speaker which we interpret as sound whereas things like digital things you've got to go through all of these encoders and things but ultimately it's not really real and I think with streaming services it's one step further even away from that so I sort of think about this sorry I also feel like my throat just gurgled (laughs) I don't know if the 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 microphone caught that that was bizarre (coughs) Ahem, I have a theory <laughs> that dinosaurs... I'm sure some of you watch Monty Python. No, um, so wanting that kind of token, that was bizarre, a sort of a physical thing to remind you of something that only exists when you watch it. Probably one of the more popular things that people get and that people send around are shirts. So whenever you go to a tech conference, there's always people in their particular ecosystems shirts so you might have someone with a you know a WWDC which happened today you might have someone wearing an ATP shirt ATP and now and now I'm, my voice is sounding like a teenager again I, I, I've gone back in time further than I intended to or if you're at a BSD conference you might have a polo shirt with a demon on it or a, a demon I should say a de- <coughs> Should I start this again? So, the problem with that is that I, I, I have enough clothing. I, I do, and I'm one of those weird people who doesn't really like t-shirts. I, I just prefer to wear collared shirts. I feel better in them and, and feel better for wearing them. I, I don't know why. It's just this weird thing that I do. So, I don't really buy all that many of those. And so, really, what you end up with are posters which if you rent is sort of problematic because <laughs> it's, it's difficult to put those up and mugs and so I thought that would be something that we could talk about here because it is sort of a very rich uh, topic with a lot of sociological stuff attached to it the concept of a mug which from a, a marketing perspective or from a 
distribution perspective is pretty much perfect. It's, it's like a little sculpture. It's something that sits on your desk and it's flat, albeit sort of curved in on one axis, but on the other axis it's flat. So you can, it's very easy to print a logo on it. You're not having to go over, uh, you know, the shape of something. It, 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 it is just a, a smooth, flat surface that you can print a, a logo or a graphic onto. So the effort involved in doing it's a lot less. And it's bold and feasibly could last a very long time. So now I do have a few of these mugs. I, I think probably the one that I got most recently, albeit um, a couple of years ago, was a good Mythical Morning mug, which I use at work. And it's, it is so big that I actually make porridge <laughs> sometimes at work when it's particularly cold. But mugs are fascinating to me. I mean, you think about everything going back to, say, Dilbert before Scott Adams went off the reservation, or... Uh, Kathy or any of these comics, Garfield, I mean, John, what was it that all of those characters on all of those comic strips did all the time? They were walking around with mugs. Because I think, aside from being the perfect uh, physical object to uh, represent your allegiance to a certain product or, or website or media or podcast or YouTube channel or whatever, they're just, they are a symbol of, I suppose, white-collar office culture. All you need is a printer and a water cooler and one or more people to stand around those aforementioned objects with your mug. And you've, you have defined this slice of sort of corporate America and by extension the sort of the, the modern world in this device that you hold. So if we... Take a step back and think, you know, not to be cliche of, you know what I really don't like and I get frustrated is when you see books and they spend the first two chapters saying, well, how do you define blah? Well, this dictionary defines it as blah. This defines it as like, oh, God, we, we know what it means. Get to the point. Uh, I was reading this amazing book. Uh, uh, forgive me for not knowing the author off the top of my head, but uh, it's it's quite a small book. It was called On Bullshit, and it's it is a spectacular book. It's on Amazon and um, Booktopia in Australia, Kobo, a couple of these other things. It is please treat yourself to read it. It is just how much of our modern world is built on writing, disseminating, and absorbing bullshit basically but even that uh, started with this really dry eye-rolling introduction about well Webster's defines bullshit as and he's like oh just no, no it's he was sort of playing into what he was talking about perhaps more than he was intending there so allow me to be a gigantic hypocrite there and just maybe briefly describe what a mug is, although I'll keep it brief. I think what, you know what, I'm not going to say what a mug is because we know what that is. I think it's useful though to think of it in terms of, in comparison to other crockery. Because if you think about, it's probably the closest thing to a mug that we would think about in today's world is a, a cup and saucer. Which, if you think about it, is a very, very different 
vessel. A mug is, it's, it's simple, it holds a liquid and it has a handle. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, Webster's defines a mug as a vessel, but no, it's, it's, that, that is literally all it is. We don't need to analyze it any more than that. A cup and saucer is much more. It's, the way that you use it necessarily involves using two hands. So whereas a mug is sort of built for convenience, you can walk around drinking it while you've got your phone in your other hand or you're in a meeting or you've got a, a laser pointer at a conference or something, it, it's very utilitarian. A cup and saucer is deliberate. It, you have to ideally be sitting down. I'm not sure how you could stand with it. Although one could use the saucer in one hand and the, the cup in the other hand. And you have to drink it, and without making a lot of noise, it's, it is a very deliberate act of placing the cup back onto the saucer again. Now, I've been to enough cafes that use those things to know that, uh, that there are a lot of people who don't sort of do that particularly uh, appropriately. And in fact, if you listen to a lot of soundtracks, particularly I feel like in the 90s, when uh, I think Seinfeld was an example, these kind of shows, whenever they would go into a cafe, one of the sort of the cliches that, or the, the sort of the audio, I don't know whether you call it a metaphor or something that they'd be using, is the clattering of crockery as a sort of a background sound. Kind of like in an office setting, you would hear a, an old school phone ringing and a printer going and someone typing, that sort of thing. So for a cup and saucer, you have that kind of clattering of the crockery together which also just sounds like a great band name um, whereas a mug you're you're drink you're drinking it and you're just putting it right down on the table you might be using a coaster i use one at work just because um i use a little cork one with a miku uh, picture on it ironically enough because <laughs> i'm a weeb like that but the advantage of doing that for me is that it gives it a, a bit more friction because a standard mug, you've just got the uh, the porcelain or what have you against the bare table, and it's very easy to slip and bump. Whereas if you've got a, a, a cork thing under it, it's not going to go in uh, sort of as violent a direction as as you might accidentally <laughs> push it in the in in that direction towards. I'm explaining this poorly. <clears throat> So yeah, a cup and saucer is, you could argue it's more deliberate, it's potentially more dainty if you're using it in a very formal setting and you want to be la da pinky up kind of thing. Hey, how's it going? Oh, we can cross again. That's useful. Um, it's been about two weeks since I recorded the first part of this and I realized that I, uh, so cut a long story short, I've, I think I got a, actually I can't even remember who it was for, I got a phone call halfway through doing that and so I had to pause it and take that call I think it was work related actually anyway sort of did that for god it was a really long call it was almost an hour long and by the by the time that was over I kind of just wanted to go home and sleep and then I completely forgot that I started this big long wide reaching sweeping analysis of mugs I thought it was interesting to me that uh what struck me, other than a, a mug landing on my head, was the fact that, that, that was a bit of a pun, um, that I didn't make the obvious connection and say that a mug, like a mug shot, as in someone having an ugly mug, and how that's sort of a 
in, in my context, I guess you could say it's a self-deprecating thing. I, I would like to say that, uh, I, well, I don't like to say that I have a, uh, an ugly mug, but um, if sort of truth in advertising prevailed, that would probably be an accurate assessment of my appearance. <sighs> so a mug is even something that, that people refer to for things that don't just contain liquids in a vessel, although I suppose a mug if it is referring to your brain, does have sort of blood and various other things. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Why, why, would, why, would you even, why would you even ask me to bring that up? That makes no sense. <sighs> or, in fact, part of the problem is it makes sense, but I don't want to... It's, it's not a, a ripe subject for... How did we get onto that? Mugs are a... They're a fascinating thing. Now, one thing I started talking about... By which I mean finish, although isn't a start the same as a finish? A start is merely just the, f the finishing side of something else. The only difference between a start and a finish is the orientation of your time plane. Uh, not sure that... What? The orientation of your time... That sounds like something Deepak Chopra would say. Um, uh, shall we start this again? Yeah, I, th I think we should. Hold on, let me just uh, cue this up again. So, get that going and plug, press that thing there. Okay, three, two... Hey, how are you going? So, when I last spoke with you about mugs, I was talking about how the closest analogue to a mug these days, as opposed to a digital, which would be a disc, <laughs> oh... I have this issue at the moment where I think I'm about to say something really witty and urbane and then I say it and it, it really isn't. Um, I made the, the sort of the connect... I don't know what's wrong with my head this evening. I'm kind of a bit all over the place. Oh, maybe it's just the fact that it's bitterly cold out here or the fact that I'm talking about such an obscure... I mentioned that uh, the closest analogue to a, a mug is a is a cup and saucer, and I'm already second-guessing myself. Or in fact, triple-guessing, because I had a few other ideas as well. Um, um, a cup and saucer is not really the closest analogue to a mug. Having given it a bit more thought, really what it's closest to is actually a cup. I suppose a cup is sort of a the superclass of both of these things. A mug and a cup and saucer are both cups. But you think about the... I don't, I don't know where this came from. I, there's always been this American cliche in TV shows and things of people carrying red plastic cups and they're, they're quite oversized. And I think the idea behind them is that they can hold a can of beverage in it. See, the, a big part of the problem that mugs face is quite often they're slightly too small to contain an entire beverage and so you're usually having to sip the last bit out of a, a can of some sort. So these other vessels, these sort of red plastic things, which I suppose ecologically speaking are increasingly problematic, they, they have this ability to hold a beverage as well, but we don't consider it a mug because it's not porcelain and it doesn't have a handle. And there's a certain amount of reusability to mugs as well, which I, I touched on at the start there when I was talking about office culture. How do you... You always found it interesting to me how 
mugs are, I suppose they're one of the pieces of personal, it's a personal effect that you can have in an office environment that's considered completely normal. If you, if you brought a, a stuffed donkey head into your office and proudly displayed it on your wall of your cubicle, or do people still even have those anymore? Stuffed donkey heads, not cubicles. I'm sure cubicles still exist. Not, not that I've had one for a decade. I've been in open plan offices for a long time. Also, where did stuffed donkey head come from? If you were to put that on your wall, you'd get a few stares. Whereas if you have a coffee mug on there saying world's most so-so parent or something, not only would that be considered normal, but it's almost expected. Which, if you think about it from the, in the context of sort of office culture, is kind of fascinating. Because most office environments will provide some measure of crockeryage. Crockeryage? I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. There's a train going by down there. I'm in a, I'm in a really weird mood this evening. Have you, have you picked up on that? If you, if you work in an office environment that has some sort of a kitchen area in which you can prepare food or snacks, or if you're in one of those hipster places, they make up for the fact that they uh, basically force you to work ridiculous hours and uh, look at how dude-bro culture we are, but hey, there's beer in the fridge, so everything's fine. Um, If you're doing something like that, or you have a dusty foosball table on the side... Chances are, in that environment, you will also have shared crockery. And maybe it's a function of the fact that you're coming into direct contact with it, and potentially more than almost any other piece of crockery that you can think of. I suppose because a mug would get fairly regular use, if you think about it in terms of the frequency, and you'd be having it in the morning, you'd be having it in the afternoon, you might be having something after lunch. These kind of sort of rituals that we have for ourselves, how many of those things revolve around having these mugs? And I guess I raised that in the context of things like Dilbert and Kathy and even John from Garfield I was talking about before, that a large part of their persona is wrapped around the fact that they they use this kind of mug, they use this prop as a sort of a a, uh, a metaphor or an object or however else you want to describe it. I always thought that was just kind of interesting. But then, even if a kitchen in, a, in an office environment has mugs in it, they might supply mugs. And I know people who don't have their own personalised mug in their office and shame on them. If, if you have a, an office environment with these mugs, most people will see that and they say, you know what? I'm happy to use everything else in this office environment, but I'm going to add my own sort of little personal touch to this. The mug is going to be the way that I express that. And so you'll have, if you're a parent, you'll have sort of the the tongue-in-cheek best dad in the world, or I would hope boss, best boss in the world. I mean, tongue-in-cheek, I'm hoping sort of in a um, a David Brent kind of attitude (laughs) rather than... Actually, no, that that was the whole point of his character was that he didn't... um, uh, he didn't have that opinion. He actually did think that he was the greatest assistant to the regional manager. I've never really watched the American office. I've only watched the British one. 
Although I have been told that the American one is is pretty good. I never got that as a thing, that just because something started in one place doesn't mean that you can't appreciate the other one. I mean, yeah, sure, the original British office, I'm sure, is more, by some measures, more authentic, I suppose. But if the other one's good as well, then who cares? There's probably a mug about that. Oh, we've got a, uh, a train going underneath us. I'm just following the line around here. I'm in kind of a weird mood this evening, you might have noticed. And away it goes. Another thing that strikes me... Whoa, my voice! Another thing that strikes me about mugs is that they're not only a vessel for beverages, and of course those beverages are wide and far-reaching as well, but they also contain... Oh, I suppose they can contain foodstuffs as well, and not even just, you know, your standard cup of soup sort of fare, where you have a, uh, a food with noodles and things in it. I know people who even tend to put things more on the solid side, so I know people who used to eat cereal out of a mug, as in, you know, solid wheat-based products with milk in it. Now, I suppose then it is kind of getting liquid then, isn't it? Or, I mean, the, the classic life hack that you do in um, university when you're tired and stressed out from exams and things is that you whip, you whip it good. You whip, you whip some egg, a little bit of grated cheese and some pepper in a mug. You sort of stir that up and then throw that into a, uh, a microwave. And then within a minute or two, you have a really amazing um, uh, sort of scrambled egg thing. I was, I've since been told that that is problematic because if the egg has salmonella, microwaving it for a couple of minutes will not stop that. <laughs> or at least it won't kill it. You really need to put it on a, um, uh, a saucepan and actually, or sort of bake it before it can get rid of that. That guy had a loud car. Um... So it's, 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 it's just overall, it's just, to me, it's just the perfect size. I tend not to eat all that much, and so having something in a mug like that, that is the size of a bowl that you're really after. You don't really need much more than that. And it's just widely usable and applicable in a lot of different scenarios. And then you, you add to that the fact that you've got one which is potentially yours, and it's in an office environment, it would be sort of sacrilege to um, use someone else's mug. I had kind of a... I had sort of an inkling uh, one time when I went on annual leave, and I came back, and my... I can't remember if I told the story before. It's, it's, I'm sure it's been fascinating. Um, I came back from annual leave, and my Monty Python Ministry of Silly Walks mug had a giant crack down the side of it. And through some controlling and, and uh, increasingly assertive interrogation, I was able to determine which of my co-workers had broken it. It's funny, most of, for most of my life I've had pretty good co-workers, but I've had a couple that, are a, that have been a bit strange, and this gentleman was definitely on that sort of strange scale. Though, having said that, I tend to be pretty forgiving of strange people as someone who, who is one myself. For me, it's not about whether you're strange or sort of offbeat or 
you you like sort of certain social graces to me it comes down to intent if you're a nice person but awkward i'm totally fine with that i and in fact i being a being a nice but strange person is what i aspire to be if you're a bit strange or a bit unusual and you're also nasty about it or i can tell that uh, you're not acting in good faith on something, then, as far as I'm concerned, you've sort of lost in my mind. And if it's a professional setting, I'll do the... So I'll do the certain level of professional courtesy. I will oblige you that, at least. But I will... Uh, I won't put any extra effort into, you know, be friendly or anything. I'll work with you on projects, but that's the extent of it. Yeah, so this, this gentleman finally confessed that he broke it. It seems strange to me that... Why would you hide something like that? Especially if you were in a company with several hundred people in a big open plan office. And if you are God, <laughs> I've been in that environment before. I'm so relieved I'm not in that anymore. But I, I feel like you would be able to hide it a lot more easily. When you're in a small company, in a small office with sort of a dozen people, it, you kind of lose the ability to, to BS on certain things like that. And especially when you've got morning shifts and evening shifts, the chances that someone could have done something to your mug, the, the pool of potential people drastically decreases. Wow, sort of talk, mugs have now been sort of a springboard to talk about interpersonal office relationships. Uh, I suppose with all the quarantine and stuff going on now, having all of these concerns about mugs is sort of quaint at this stage, given that we're... Um, don't need to worry about co-workers breaking your mug because they would physically never come into contact with any of your mugs unless you invited a co-worker over to your house. Which, if they're friendly with you, etc., maybe you might want to do. I'm in a very weird mood this evening. You've probably noticed this. <clears throat> it's also extremely cold out here. I feel like it's starting to impact my speech patterns. Um, so I guess, that, yeah, that's the, the whole process about... Um, mugs if we start from the beginning of it being a, a, a tool that people use to demonstrate allegiance or to, to pay respect and financial compensation to artists that they uh, ca uh, you know, care about and admire. We've talked about the office aspect to it. We've talked about the fact that they're useful for things other than just straight up beverages, which is useful. There's, there's just so many angles to this. I've, then you get into issues where you have... Um, you start to talk about where the practicality of it sometimes might not be so ideal. So part of the reason why these things are so fantastic is, is because they're so simple. You can... Because they're, they're affordable, we've narrowed down or we've figured out how to mass-produce these things at scale with very little effort or relative to other things. So if there's a problem with it, it's pretty easy to just get a new one. And my hope would be that the crockery aspect of it, the, the fact that it's made out of these uh, kind of materials means that it does sort of break down. It's basically earthenware, it's stoneware or whatever. Um, we're not sort of leaching nasty plastics into the environment if you chuck these things out. So overall, I think they're, they're fantastic. Where there can be potentially a problem, though, is when you when the, the the temperature of the beverage in question is particularly um, uh, 
sensitive. And hold on, I've, I've had my keys in my pocket the whole time and they've been jangling all over the place, so I'm going to deposit these into a different... Uh, uh, maybe that'll shut them up. <laughs> I don't know if any of that was coming through on the, on the mic there. I've noticed this especially lately. One of the, the things that I've noticed sort of working remote uh, or working from home particularly if you're in a studio apartment where you intentionally decided to work and uh, excuse me if you intentionally decided to live in a studio apartment so that you could save money on rents to travel and eventually buy your own place uh it's living in a studio is fantastic for that the downsides of that downs wow my voice this whole this whole thing is weird chances are this will never go to air um one of the things that is particularly uh, problematic about living in a studio apartment for working remote is you get absolutely no whoa not only we can cr can we cross but that thing really wanted to let us know that was really loud not only is it much more difficult to get that work-life separation when you're literally working and living in the same room which is problematic for a few reasons but the other problem with it is that especially if your significant other is also working in that space you're kind of in an open planned office with your partner which if you're kind of if your meetings are in sort of in sync with each other then it's fine but there are many, many times where she and I will both have a conference call on at the same time. And so, inevitably, what happens is I let her stay indoors. I go out to the balcony, sit on the balcony, and, and take my call out there. And I've done a shocking number of these things from the balcony. It's actually quite nice out there. I'm, I'm really starting to realize that a lot of the fatigue and tiredness that I was feeling... Um, when I'm working in offices and things for long periods of time, it actually really did not have much to do with it being open plan or whether I had a cubicle or not or whether I had my own office. I had that for a period. That was nice. Um, none of that really matters all that much. I've kind of really sort of... If I've learned anything from this COVID stuff or at least the working from home thing is that I work better in natural air even if it's really cold or if it's really really warm I just really like sitting at desks or tables but outside so whether it's like an outdoor cafe or a balcony or um heaven I don't know the side of the street for all I know there's just something about being in that sort of open air environment with the fresh air and the breeze and everything which is just really really nice now if you'd asked me six months ago i would be saying hell no because i'd be <laughs> i'd be choking on um the bushfire smoke here that already seems like a long time ago now i hope politically people haven't forgotten about that I'd really like it out there. Of course, the problem is, especially now that we're in the dead of winter, sometimes the wind does pick up a bit and I sort of cover myself in blankets and whatnot, which is fine. But any kind of beverage that you put into a mug in that environment is basically an iced coffee within 15 minutes. 
So in that case, even though the mug is great, it's, it's a utilitarian thing, it's very easy to make, it's very easy to fill up and stuff, and you can have sort of a, a, a mug that has your favorite musician or podcast or, or um, independent show or something like that on there. That's all great. But in the strictest sense, having that as a, uh, a vessel to hold your beverage in that context is not super great. So then you start running through the process of thinking, okay, well, what do I replace it with? And I mean, ultimately, a, whether you're talking about a thermos or a, um, some sort of a, a double insulated vessel with a cap on top, you, when you really break it down, it's a, it's a mug, it's a multi-layered mug with um, a uh, sort of a, a vacuum chamber around it and a lid on top. I suppose we are sort of fundamentally still talking about something of the cup family, but we're, we're talking about it. Uh, this is stretching it a bit, I can already tell. But it is, it's kind of, that's what a mug is, or in this case, that's what a, um, uh, a thermos really is. It's just a mug that's been afforded extra attributes that facilitate the extension of uh, the warmth of certain beverages, or for that matter, cool uh, liquids and stuff if you're talking about a summer environment. So yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, as, despite the fact I really love mugs and I love drinking out of them and it's just the experience of making a coffee in a mug, um, sometimes perhaps they aren't the most ideal vessel. Wow, look at that! Just randomly there's a, like a, a <laughs> so there used to be a, um, uh, what is it called, like a travel agent on the corner there, and now it's a pop-up store selling flowers. I don't know, it's probably, it's probably a sign of the times, isn't it? No one can travel anywhere, so the travel agencies are all closing down, and maybe there's been an increase in condolences needed, so flowers are doing better? Uh, uh, that's, the, that's, a, that's a bit sad. Uh. Yeah, I wonder when we'll be able to travel again. That'd be, that's a bit... Uh, makes me a bit nervous. It was kind of the thing that Claire and I really liked doing. Look at that. There are, there are people around the world who are concerned about their job. It's the highest unemployment rate in, in, since the Great Depression. And I'm worried about whether I can travel or not. And I'm walking around talking about the pros and cons of mugs in certain applications. <laughs> ah. I know, I just... It's one of the things which is it's it perfectly encapsulates so many things about our working lives the the final part to it which i thought was kind of interesting is also that a mug can not only serve as a vessel for drinking something out of but it can also play an integral role in the production of that beverage so one of my favorite devices that I've ever owned, and I actually got it as a present from a, a co-worker at one point. Um, have you ever heard of these AeroPress things? So if you've ever used, in the US they call them a French press, in, in, uh, in Australia and Singapore we would, and I think in the UK they probably do, call them like a, a coffee plunger. So it's basically a glass uh, container and you put your coffee grounds into the bottom of it and then you push down on this plunger which has got sort of this metal mesh on it 
um, after having filled it with water and letting it steep for a bit. And the act of pushing it down sort of forces the ground up coffee into the bottom of the container and then you're able to, you're essentially decanting the coffee off the top of it. And I used to use one of those for a long time and it's, it's fine, like it, it tastes fine. Quite often you'll still get a bit of grit in the bottom of the mug, but that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm an adult, or at least I play one on TV, so that's not the end of the world. An AeroPress, it kind of takes that similar approach, but rather than using a metal mesh um, plunger, instead you've basically got this slightly smaller tube that you push down inside the big one and instead of a mesh it's got a rubber sort of stopper on the bottom of it and then what you put over your mug is essentially it looks like a um a grate like a um almost like a, a utility cover sort of grate and obviously at a much smaller scale if you put a utility cover on top of your mug it'd probably just break it or would it i don't know mugs are pretty strong and then within that thing, you put a very, very tiny disc of filter paper. So what you're actually forcing the water through isn't this metal mesh. It's a uh, piece of filter paper. So it gets rid of pretty much all of the coffee grounds out of the bottom of it, which is really nice. And because you're letting it steep in something before squeezing it through, you just end up with this really rich, beautiful uh, dr drink. <laughs> What's that phrase for that thing that you drink stuff? Oh yeah, drink. It's beautiful. I just, it, it is, it consistently surprises me how good the coffee that this thing makes. And it's super cheap. I, I my dad recently bought a several, sort of several hundred dollar espresso machine. I know colleagues have done a similar thing. Friends of mine have got these really expensive souped up DeLonghi's. I grew up in a household that had one of these sort of press one button and out shoots coffee and a, um, all you needed to do was put beans in the top. These giant uh, DeLonghi or um, what are, what's the other one? A Breville, like these giant coffee contraption things. And one of the, uh, one of my memories of living in Singapore was actually going to the DeLonghi service center because we'd been using this machine so much that part of the mechanism inside broke down and I had to go and get it fixed. And there, that at the time, the Dolongi Surface Centre in Singapore was in this really, um, well, by Singapore standards, far out uh, industrial area. And so I, was, I couldn't even get a, a, an MRT out there. I was getting the bus out holding this coffee machine uh, to get it repaired. But it, you don't need any of that. It's literally an AeroPress. It, it's plastic with a bit of rubber on the end. So you, uh, you could just kind of have it sitting on the corner of your bench. It takes up almost no space whatsoever uh, on your countertop, I should say. And it just makes really, really good coffee. The only caveat to it is you need to be very specific about the coffee grind. So <clears throat> I, I aspire one day to have one of those um, Japanese hand-cranked coffee grinders but in the meantime I just use a, a $10 Kmart special and provided you grind the coffee in just such a way that it's it tends to be quite you need it fairly fine for it to work properly but they're not so fine that um, it becomes really really difficult to, to force the water through it at the other end 
but yeah provided you get the coffee grind perfect it is just I'm amazed at how good the coffee tastes coming out of this thing whereas a you could probably make something similar to, like a in a proper espresso machine but it would take up way more space you need to clean it which is a huge pain in the ass you have to service it quite a lot and they're expensive and you don't really need any of that and so the where the mug comes into that is as opposed to a uh, an espresso machine or or a nespresso machine as i used to have back in the day i used to talk about on the show um where you're just putting the cup underneath and letting the coffee pour out this thing the mug actually serves as the receptacle that you're forcing the water out through what you're forcing the water through to get into you're putting the AeroPress on top and the water's coming out of it to get into the mug. Have I explained that I'm in a bit of a weird mood this evening? Um, yeah. I don't quite know where I was going with that as an explanation, but yeah, so a mug is also can be something that can be used in that, um, in that way. And in fact, when I said that mugs can be integral to the coffee-making process, it's not just a means to an end, the other part to it as well is that mugs can also be used for things that have nothing to do with comestibles whatsoever whether it be food or or liquids or anything else so i mean a very common thing i i don't know when i started doing this but i've always just had a mug on my desk and i just use it for knickknacks so like pens and pencils and paper clips and protracted I don't have a protractor anymore, but I just wanted something else that started with P. You could you could have all, all manner of things in there. The one I've got at the moment, it's got USB keys, you know, a Swiss Army knife, my uh, backup supply of Tiger Balm for when I have really bad headaches and things. Um, really short, I have a, a nice short Ethernet cable, a nice short USB-A and a USB-C cable, which is useful if you're plugging into laptops that don't have sufficient clearance between the ports. So then that way you're able to plug in really wide USB things into stuff. And it's, it's just a really nice way to keep a, a, a cl- nice clean desk. And it means when you, it comes time to clean, you just sort of scoop everything up that's small and you put it in the mug. <laughs> and, then, and then you don't lose any of it. It's fantastic. You, you, put, you end up putting things like lip balms in there. The only time where that kind of approach is not really a good idea is... If I had this one time where I was taking some stuff down and I had reason to put thumbtacks into that mug because it was on my table at the time and so I thought okay I'll just put it in the mug and then deal with it later and of course what happens later on when you're rummaging around inside that mug trying to find something ow (laughs) so you, you you probably don't want to do that Anyway, so that's a whirlwind tour of the mug. I I thought that was kind of a fun little mental exercise to go through. I'm probably thinking of a lot of things or... uh, uh, There are probably... Wow, English is hard this evening. There are probably a lot of things that I've missed. I used to make Swiss Miss in mugs as well. That was the thing before I gave up sugar. You can't get Swiss Miss in in Australia. That's That's an American thing, isn't it? (laughs) 